Good morning. How are we doing today? Good, good. How many of you guys appreciate the Word of God in here? How many of you guys appreciate the Word of God? Well, me too. Uh, how many of y'all would say you need the Word of God? Turn to your neighbor and say you need the Bible. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them as well. Because they probably need it even more if you didn't tell them first. You're avoiding them. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into the Word. Before we do that, we had a bunch of babies get dedicated yesterday. And uh, yeah, yeah, if there's one thing we know how to do in Cabot, Arkansas, it's have some babies up in, our, in, in Cabot. So, hey, if you dedicated uh, a child yesterday and you're in the service, do you mind just standing up? Any of those families, you're in here, here we got one here, one back over here. Okay, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Hey, if you're close to one of these families, if you're close to one of these families, if you'll just reach over, put a hand on their shoulder, or let's reach our hands out towards them. We want to pray for these families. Ask the Lord to continue to be with them. Come on, it takes a village to raise children. It's not easy, but we're so thankful that you're a part of our church family. And uh, we believe God's going to do amazing thing in you and through your kids. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for each one of these families. We thank you for these kids. God, we understand it's, it's difficult sometimes to trust you with it, but we understand that, that really our kids are not ours, they're yours. You're just entrusting us with them. And God, I pray that you would give each one of these families, these moms and dads, the wisdom, and the knowledge, the leading of your Holy Spirit, the word of God, to help them to raise these kids to be kingdom-minded people, God, that these kids would grow up and be mighty men and women for you. I thank you, God, that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper. I thank you, God, that the enemy's plan is already defeated because of the blood of Jesus and because of the cross. I thank you, God, that in each one of these families, that there's marriages. I pray, Father God, that you would strengthen these marriages, that they would be biblically based and founded in you. We thank you for them, God. I pray that you help us as a church family to come alongside of them as they've committed in their hearts to raise these kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that we would support that. Lord, that we would remind them of, of the dedication that they made, that we would encourage them, challenge them, and hold them accountable, that they will always raise these children according to your will and your word. We thank you for them. We love them. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Let's give these guys another hand. We love you. The title of today's sermon is The Lies We Think. The Lies We Think. I'm going to go to one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If I had, uh, I have a few life verses, if you will, and, and this is certainly one of them. I find it important from time to time for us to talk about one of the primary issues that all of us deal with when it comes to our walk and the things that distract us away from our walk, and that is our thoughts. Our thoughts. And this is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible when it comes to understanding our thoughts, but also the authority that we have over our thoughts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. I think that's a really great reminder. I think a lot of times we're picking the wrong fights in the wrong places, on the wrong format, on social media, 
and we wind up just fighting like the rest of the world fights. But God hasn't called us to fight that way because our fight is not against the world. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It says the weapons that we fight with are not of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, in this scripture, this word stronghold is the Greek word akromo, akromoa. And that word, when you look at the full translation of it, it means to be locked in a prison. If you do an extensive study on the context of it, it actually means to be locked in a prison of lies. Now, all of us, when we get saved, even after getting saved, the truth is all of us can have a tendency to have strongholds that we bring even into our relationship with God because of our thinking. And these strongholds, no matter, there's no telling what created the thought originally, but these thoughts in our lives can cause us to have fear, anger, hate, depression, anxiety, lust, but it all starts as a thought. The good news is God has equipped us to have victory over every single stronghold in our life. There is no thought, there is no stronghold of a thought that can stand up against the truth of God's word and the power of the cross in Jesus' blood. Amen? But a lot of times we don't understand the authority that we have or we're not addressing the thoughts that we have according to the authority that we have. And I think it's important that we have that because if we can change our thoughts, then we can change our life because everything starts as a thought. You may say, oh, I have a problem with alcohol or gambling or pornography or drugs. The truth is, you don't have a problem with those things specifically. You have a problem with your thought life that is manifesting itself through those struggles. But it's starting as a thought. The enemy certainly tries to mess with your mind. Satan loves to mess with your mind. Every sin starts as a thought. And this is why Jesus came to Calvary. He came to set your mind free, to set us free from the lies of the devil. Every time you speak, hear, and apply truth, it will demolish strongholds in your life. Every disappointment, every bad day, it could be an insecurity that you're struggling with. Maybe when you walk into a room and you notice that somebody's laughing, you immediately think they must be laughing at me. Or you may think that nobody cares that you're here at all. Some of you, the enemy is lying to you right now and make, trying to make you believe that you're not important to the body of Christ. He may be trying to lie to you to make you believe that you're not important in this church, that nobody sees you, nobody loves you, nobody cares. Maybe trying to convince you that no one would even notice if you were gone because that's where the enemy wages war. And really, this all started back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. It started as an argument against truth. 
Because remember, Satan came in the form of a certain serpent. He said, hey, did God really tell you? Just lying, but arguing against truth. Did God really tell you that you would die? Come on. God didn't, the, the reason why God told you that he doesn't want you to know everything that he knows. There's one thing I am convinced of. Adam and Eve were clearly not Cajuns. Think about it. If Adam and Eve were Cajuns, we would have no issues in the world. Because there's no way Adam and Eve would have eaten the apple. They would have eaten the snake. Because if they were Cajuns, they would have eaten the snake. Clearly they weren't. Did the argument that Satan had with them in the garden, did it produce anything good? Them believing that argument, did it help them? Did it make their life better? No. (laughs) And we're still dealing with it. It messed us up. It caused death. Satan has one primary goal in your life. He doesn't want you to know God. More specifically, he doesn't want you to know what God thinks about you. And if he can keep you distracted on any level from a full understanding of who God is or a deepening understanding of who God says you are, then he is winning. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But the thing is, if he can't keep you from being saved, he just wants to keep you ineffective being saved. And one of the ways he does this is he attacks your thoughts. Fear, lust, worry, hate, doubt, discouragement, jealousy, envy. He doesn't care which one of them he needs to use. He just wants to keep you in an identity crisis. Not knowing who you are in Christ. In the word of God, there's, there's three parts to who we are. There's the spirit, the soul, and the body. And God wants you to be healthy in all three. And a third of Jesus' ministry was the body and soul. He just... He didn't just spout off theology and Bible verses. He he was trying to get us to be healed. The body and the soul are still his ministry today. This is still what the Holy Spirit is trying to bring wholeness into. But we're dealing with bad thinking now more than ever. Why? Well, the word says that in the latter days, knowledge will increase. Knowledge will increase. The word also says that knowledge puffs up. In other words, the more you know, a lot of times the more prideful you are. Think about it back in the 1700s. Like, what was the most stimulating thing that they would have to think about on a day-to-day basis? Like, they'd be out plowing a field and a buggy would pass by. That only happens once a month. Like, that's all they had to think about. Now, on any given day, the whole world can pass you by on your laptop, on your phone. The the full understanding and knowledge of everything that is on the planet is at your fingertips. And so there's a lot more thoughts that can distract, a lot more thoughts that can confuse I do find that most thinking errors of today are primarily influenced by the thoughts that are generated in our past. That's certainly the case for me. Over the course of my life, I have dealt with some major insecurities. And then at different points, people 
not necessarily always intentionally, sometimes intentionally, the enemy would use them to speak directly into my insecurities. At one point in Bible school, I had somebody come and tell me that I'm under a generational curse and that I would always be poor and I would wind up divorced one day. Sometimes people in Bible school aren't very nice. And so, and here's the thing, at that point I was homeless. (laughs) And so all that created some insecurity. Okay, so you also couple that with some learning disabilities that I had in school. I I struggled with dyslexia. I remember there being times in a classroom where the teacher would ask me to stand up and read out loud. And I would just start bawling in the middle of class. Just couldn't handle it. Then somebody told me because I came from the background that I came from and the family that I had and the situation, because I didn't go to the right school and didn't know the right people, I would never be an effective pastor or preacher. So when I stood on the stage for the very first time at this campus almost eight years ago to deliver my first sermon, you could imagine the thoughts that were racing through my head. Knowing that stepping into that call meant that I was going to have to read scripture from a stage pretty much every weekend. And I was going to have to face the potential embarrassment of wordsing up my mix. But I made a decision to believe God's word and not the words of a person. I made the decision to stand on ultimate irrefutable truth, not my situation and circumstance, not some misguided, misdirected portion of my brain that is under the blood of Jesus according to the word of God that I can stand in front of you. Now, here's the deal. Most of the time when I'm reading scripture, I've basically memorized it. I'm not just gonna stand up here not knowing what I'm getting ready to read because it's gonna get really interesting. But the truth is this. There is truth. There is truth. There is truth. There's truth over my thoughts. There's truth over the thoughts that people try to put in my brain. There's there's truth over my insecurities, my fears, my failures. There is truth over all of it. We just have to choose whether or not we're going to walk in it. Proverbs 4.23, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. They are the source of true life. One of the people on our staff said it this way, I used to look back and see hurt, now I see the healing. Man, that speaks to me. I understand what that feels like. The truth is, man, there are just so many counterfeit solutions to our misguided souls. Like, there's so many counterfeit therapies that we'll try to try to get Our thoughts aligned. There's some crazy stuff out there. Like in Germany, they have a hotline that you can call. Now you have to pay by the minute. But you can call and cuss someone out for as long as you want to pay. 
You can just cuss them out. Just to, and, and in German, that sounds really violent. Okay. <laughs> like that language is one of the most harsh languages, I think. It's just like when they cuss, it don't, I like, I, I'm offended and I don't understand what they're saying. There's other therapies they have out. There is a thing. There's this is a real thing. You can look it up. Be careful looking this one up. Streaking therapy. Streaking therapy, also known as nasty therapy. Like, that, like where they say, hey, if you'll just strip down out all your clothes and go streaking, it's going to help you get your therapy. It's going to help you get your, your thoughts aligned. Sun staring therapy. That, that would help with your thoughts because once you're blind, you don't see as much. So your thoughts are not as messed up. I could see how that could be effective. If I could sum up what I'm trying to say in one sentence, it's this. God is far more interested in changing your mind than he is in changing your circumstances. He wants to change your thinking. We want God to change their circumstances. Like we want God to take away the problems and the pain and the sorrow and the suffering and the sickness. All the difficult people and bad drivers. Like we want God to take all of that away. And God is saying, yeah, that's all important. But I'm trying to change you one thought at a time so that your life can be changed. One thing is for sure, for sure, circumstances definitely can't change if your thinking stays the same. Even if your circumstance can change, it definitely won't change if your thinking doesn't change. So I want to talk about three biblical principles. First of all, my thoughts control my life. My thoughts control my life. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How many of you like sweets? How many of you guys like candy, sweets? Okay. That was primarily women. Raise, raise, raise their hand. Okay, so but let's, there's two really two categories here, okay? So we, we've got to know who we're talking about here. How many of you like chocolate? Okay? Okay, let's get more specific. How many of you understand and know that only dark chocolate is the true chocolate, okay, that, that we're supposed to be consuming? And, and dark chocolate has antioxidants, so then you can justify eating lots of it because it's good for you. Okay, but how many of you like just sugar, like sour sugar candy? How many of you like that kind of candy? Okay, you're my people. I, 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 I will eat dark chocolate, especially the dark chocolate that has like the fruit on the middle of it. I don't know what those things are called, but they are like crack. Uh, and, but I like, I like like sweet and sour candy. So like Sour Patch Kids, okay? I like some Sour Patch Kids. But here's the thing, you're never gonna eat just one. You can't do that. You're going to keep eating them until your jaw feels like it's going to fall off of your head. It's just going to start this stinging sensation right down in here because it just happens. But what I've noticed is they don't jump in my mouth by themselves. Like I'm choosing to eat a five-pound bag by myself in one setting, like that's a choice that I make, okay? I don't struggle with a lot of other sweets. I'm not like a big baked goods type person, although snickerdoodles, freshly out of the oven. I don't need them to cool down. I don't want them to cool down. 
but a snickerdoodle right out of the oven, still warm, and, and a big enough cup of milk that I can just jam the whole thing down in there before I consume it, I will eat an entire batch of those things in one setting. And as I'm doing it, here's the thought process. I love cookies. I, I love fresh snickerdoodle cookies right out of the oven. I deserve cookies because I'm a good person. And I didn't eat one today. So it's okay. And I will work it off someday at a gym somewhere, I'm sure. Every single action always starts as a thought, just like immorality. First, it's a thought. Then it's a look. Then it's a word. Then it's a touch. Then the full act. If you think it long enough, you will do it, good or bad. I like golf. I'm not a good golfer, though. I can only think of a couple of times when I stepped up to the tee box and stood over that golf ball and was completely confident that it was going to go straight. Like there's only been a couple of times that that's ever happened. Most of the time when I step up, I'm just like, who knows? <laughs> it's gonna be fun to find out, right? Could be in the woods here in a little bit. I don't mind going in the woods. I find more golf balls. It saves me money. But most of the time, like, I just don't, I'm just like, it's going to be fun. It could go that way or that way. It may go straight. There's not a high likelihood, but maybe. But I've noticed in life, when you don't know where you're going, you don't know where to aim. So if you have no confidence of where you're supposed to walk and that you can walk straight, If you don't know that, you're not going to know where to aim. And you're going to find yourself off. Who knows where? Wasting a lot of time and effort and energy. You can know. In Proverbs 4.23, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So maybe at one point or another, you were told that you were stupid. And maybe you weren't actually stupid at the time. But if you started to believe it, there's a really good chance you've been acting stupid. But it's not because that's actually who you are. It's just because that's what you believed. You let that consume your thoughts. And now it's producing actions. And some might say, well, I'm just thinking it, nothing else. No, it is shaping you. It is shaping you. In the Bible, God destroyed the earth. And if you read about it in Genesis chapter 6, it doesn't say that God destroyed the earth because of the evil things people were doing. It says he destroyed the earth because of the evil thoughts that they were having. Because he knew eventually they would do those things. Because our thoughts shape us. The mind is the battleground for sin. The mind is the battleground for sin. Sometimes we think temptation is something that's out there. 
you know? And we like to hyper-spiritualize, like the devil's just tempting me. Like, like the devil brings you this package of temptation in the form of snickerdoodle can, uh, cookies. But, but the thing is, it's not something that's out there. It wouldn't be a temptation unless it was already a desire in your heart. Unless it was already a thought that you were having, that's when it becomes temptation, when it's already a thought. It says this in the word. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What is Paul saying? He's saying there's a battle in your brain. Why? Because whatever gets your attention gets you. Whatever gets you captivated long enough it gets you. But there's great news. Our thoughts can be reset by the Spirit of God. Our thoughts can be reset by the Spirit of God. It says in Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind is governed by the flesh the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I tell my kids, uh, especially I've had these conversations with my sons a couple of times. We, we don't play a lot of video games in our house, but but every once in a while they play. And when they get home and they're having a, a bad day and they're, and they're trying to talk about how there was a mean kid or this kid made them do this or this kid made them angry or this kid made them sad or whatever, I would describe it as this, as like, hey, buddy, why do you like video games so much? And they'll try to articulate it. And basically what they're saying is, I like being able to control these characters in this powerful fantasy world where there's nothing that they can't do. I said, exactly. And when you allow someone or a situation or a circumstance to come and affect your emotions and your thinking and your behavior, you just gave your controller to them. You just gave control to that situation in that circumstance. They didn't take it away from you. You voluntarily gave it to them. Because nothing can control your thoughts. Only you do. You have control. The enemy can't control your thoughts. The enemy can't even read your thoughts. He can only introduce thoughts and try to influence your actions through those thoughts. But he can't control your thoughts. You have authority and control over your thoughts. So how do you renew your thoughts? First, I must feed my mind truth. I have to feed it truth. This is submitting to the mind of Christ. Look, everyone submits to something. Everyone's going to submit to something. 
It says in Psalm 1, 1 through 3, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law, that's the word of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. You know why I love the Bible so much? Because it's the only book that reads me. Every other book I read, this book, it reads me. It knows me. I've talked about the, the, the library in Congress before. 530 miles of bookshelves, 29 million books, but there's only one book in that whole library that is alive. It is the word of God. This is alive. The, wor the word says that the word is alive. It cuts through to the marrow of our bones, to the center of who you are, and it helps separate your flesh from your spirit so you can see what is temporary and what is eternal. This is the only book that is alive. And this verse is saying, meditate on this day and night, morning, noon, afternoon, nighttime, digest it, believe it. And when that happens, all of a sudden, truth will be rooted and it will produce fruit and it will cause you to prosper. Deuteronomy 6.6 6 says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I want you to look at these four different times. You can circle those in that, in that scripture. Four times that really you have freedom to meditate and put the word in you. When you're lying down, when you're getting up, when you're just chilling out around the house, when you're traveling. I also find it interesting that these are the times a lot of us lose our confidence. When we're lying down and we're thinking about everything that's going on and all the what ifs in life. When we're getting up in the morning, we got something big to accomplish that day. We're trying to do something big that's intimidating, it's scary. When you're just chilling out and you're idle, you can be very vulnerable when you're traveling. Well, I learned that about myself. One time I, I, I went to scout a missions trip and I almost always travel with like a group of people, but this time I went by myself. And I, man, I, I, I went through Amsterdam and, and I thought, cool, new country, new place. I thought maybe I'll just go check out the city. I got it because I had a 12 hour layover. I got into the city and felt the spiritual oppression and felt like the enemy like coming at me. I, there were I was literally running to get back to the airport. I got back to the airport, just went into a dark corner and sat there and waited for my plane. And I don't travel alone anymore. Because anybody that travels, you know, man, it can be a pretty vulnerable time. But the Bible tells us how to think. Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, 
and the God of peace will be with you. And John 8, 32 says it this way, then you will know the truth, and what? The truth will set you free if you know the truth. But you've got to consume it. I must take my thoughts captive. I must take my thoughts captive. Look, every once in a while, thought's going to sneak in. And it's not going to align with truth. Martin Luther King said it this way, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from pooping in your hair. In other words, you got to move. You got to move. Some thoughts, they can be rooted in your old sinful nature. But we cannot accept thoughts that are intruding in our lives. So let's just take an assessment of your thoughts. Some of you, the thoughts that are setting themselves against the knowledge of who you are in Christ, they're just negative. You have a negative mindset. Life is never going to get better. God doesn't really love me. Everybody's mean to me. My kids are not treated fairly. I have the gift of giving, but everyone else has the gift of taking. I prayed for God to use me, and now God just is using me. No one knows how hard I work. No one cares about me or what I'm going through. And sometimes these thoughts, with a lot of people that think this way or that are negative, they start thinking, I just need a new city. I need a new job. I need a new group of friends. I need a new church, a new family, a new spouse, and life would be good again. No, you need a new you. You need a new thinking pattern. Some of you are fearful. And this fear has kept you from attempting dreams that you know God put in your heart. Or maybe fear has kept you from a major that when you were in college that you never attempted. Some of you, the fear that is in you is just driven by what if? That question, what if? What if I lose my job? What if I lose my kids, my spouse, my friends? How many of you would say that you're prone to fear? You're just prone to fear. It's interesting, Barna Institute did a study. They found that 90% of the things that you worry about never happen. They would never happen. It's like impossible for them to happen. If that's your stronghold, take it captive. Take it captive. Some of you are just critical, just incredibly critical. Man, I wish my husband was more like this guy. I wish my wife wasn't always nagging. Oh, I just saw a husband look at his wife. That's awkward. That's a mistake. Hope you have a nice couch. I don't like these people. They're just stupid. I hate this sermon. The music is too loud. I hate this preacher. Back off. <laughs> it's funny. Some, one time somebody told me, they came up to me, a lot of confidence. They said, you know what? You're almost as good as my last preacher. I was like, thanks. <laughs> it's great. I have noticed this, and this is not, this is, I don't, I'm not trying to be sexist in saying this. 
Women struggle with being critical more than men, I find, especially with other women. I think it's because women struggle with comparison, maybe a little bit more than men. But I just noticed this, man, just maybe men are just as critical, but men just kind of like stuff it. (laughs) Don't say anything. Women are very vocal about it. But in like a real sarcastic way. Critical people. How many of you are critical? Maybe that's your stronghold that needs to be taken captive. You're one of two birds. Did you know the hummingbirds will seek out anything that is sweet? They'll seek out anything that is sweet. A vulture looks for things that are dead and decaying. They will seek it out. The point is, you'll find what you're looking for. If you're critical, you're going to find negative things. If you're more positive, you're going to find more positive things, even in very negative situations. Number three, I must remember how amazing his will is for me. I must remember how amazing his will is for my life. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word renew your mind, it, it means actually to make even better than new, like a renovation of your thoughts. I find most of the time we miss God's will for what is next because we're not walking in his will right now. Because we don't know what he thinks about us. We don't know what he says about us. We don't know what his word says about us. Look, I, I'm, in a, I'm, in a, I'm in a pretty busy chapter in my life. I'm not saying I'm any more busy than anyone else, but my kids are getting older and we, for the first time in their lives, we had all of them in a sport this semester. All of them. It was the stupidest thing we've ever done in our lives. Like, like we had three in soccer and one in volleyball. And you'd think, well, at least they're all in one. Yeah, but their practices are at different times and different fields and all over the place. Thank God it's been raining like crazy. So we haven't actually had that much soccer. <laughs> Is that bad to say? We tried, kids, but the Lord knows. (laughs) I think we're just going to go back to what we used to do, and that is whoever the favored child is gets to play the sport. (laughs) So then they're competing all the time. I want to be the favored child. Like, oh, not this semester. (laughs) Kidding, kind of. Just we're in a busy season and it can be overwhelming at times. Honestly, I, like, because I've got big vision for my marriage and I got big vision for my family and I've got big vision for ministry and this is kind of a big church and it's growing and, and there's a lot of things that, that I want to see happen and it, it can get really overwhelming. But what I know and something that will give you confidence because I have a lot of confidence in it, I'm going to stay tethered to this 
no matter what. No matter what. I know that if I wake up every day and make it my aim to know who I am as Christ's son, what he thinks about me, what he says about me, everything else will fall into place. I love being able to confidently pray the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth now as it is in heaven. I have confidence in that, but I have confidence in it because I, not because I'm 100% confident in who I am in Christ. I don't think anybody ever gets there. We won't get there until we go to heaven. But I know if I wake up and I make that my goal and my aim, there's no sweeter place than the will of God. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I got a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of things to think about. But when I stay centered in his presence, I stayed centered in his truth and in his word, man, it, it, it makes life fun. Not stressed out, not full of worry and doubt. I get to just trust him. I want that for you. I want your thoughts to align with God's thoughts for you. I know a lot of people struggle with that. Satan is the father of lies. God has a lot of amazing names. Satan has a couple of them. One of the primary ones is the father of lies. And he hates you. One of the things that he will lie to you about is try to convince you that you are not worthy of God's will. You're not worthy of his forgiveness and his love. You're not worthy of the dream. You're not worthy of that big vision. You're not worthy. He will try to convince you that somehow what you did or that mistake, your past or whatever it is, somehow it makes you the exception that keeps you separated from being able to experience everything his word has for you. I would love for us all to be able to get to a place where we can identify when he's coming at us like that. And to say, no, that is a thought that is setting itself against the knowledge of who I am in Christ Jesus. And that I'd love for you to find your verse. That when the enemy comes in you like a flood, one of the reasons why he scatters in seven different directions is because you are blasting him to pieces with the truth of God's word. Because you're declaring this isn't even just something you're thinking. You're driving down the hallway, quoting scripture straight at the enemy's plan and at every weapon that he would try to form against you, knowing who you are in Christ. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I just wanna to talk to those who right now, you're still believing those lies. You're still believing that you can't come to God. He's convincing you right now, like that you can't actually be real. You can't be authentic. Some of you, you you've been doing the Christian thing for a really long time, but if you're really honest, you've been faking it. You've been faking it. 
And in your heart, you feel a million miles away from God, even though you go to church every week, even though you've prayed all the prayers out loud, you've sung all the songs, but, but in reality, your thoughts are still completely consumed with the lies of the enemy that have convinced you that you can't actually truly have relationship with him. I don't know where you're at, but I, knew, I know this morning you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to defeat the lies of the enemy, to defeat his plan, his purpose for your life. And it starts with you confessing who you belong to. And if you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you just know that you're away from him and maybe you just need to rededicate your life to him. Whenever you speak, hear, and apply truth, it defeats the enemy's plan. And I wanna give you a chance to hear, speak, and apply this morning. And if you've never or you need to rededicate your life to him. Nobody looking around. But if you're ready to accept the truth of who you are because of the cross of Jesus Christ, according to the word of God, nobody looking around, but if you're ready to accept that, let's raise our hand right now. I don't want to pray for you. Come on, this is the application part of it. Thank you, sir. As soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm away from God. I need a relationship with him today. I'm ready to declare truth, walk in truth. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's be bold about this. Got you at the back. Yes, sir. Thanks. Anybody else? I need a relationship with him. I'm away from him this morning. Yes, sir. Thanks. Got it. Anybody else? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for every person that just raised their hand. If you did raise your hand, just talk to him. You can make this decision right there in your chair. You need to go public with this decision at some point. I'd encourage you to do that through water baptism as soon as you can. But just talk to him and say, God, I know that I've been living a lie. I know I haven't been living according to what you say about me, what you've called me to be. But right now I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus. I believe that you came and you paid the price on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness and I repent. I stop and I turn away from living the way I've been living. I wanna live according to your will, your plan and purpose. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a new life. If you would say that you just struggle with your thoughts, it may be thoughts of lust, depression, anxiety, fear. Maybe you're just that critical person. Like he, you're not struggling with any major sins in your life, but you just struggle with being positive. I know I can struggle with that, but if you just know that you're just struggle with your thoughts, if that's you, just put your hand up right now. Let's pray together. I just struggle on my thoughts. Father God, for every person that's raising their hand, we're just saying, we're confessing, that's me. That's me and we need you. And we, we start the process of breaking those strongholds by confessing it first. 
We've done a physical act of our faith in just raising our hand. And so even in doing that, we're declaring to the enemy that you are exposed, that your lies are defeated in Jesus' name. We're not gonna live in a place where we're controlled by thoughts of fear, anxiety, lust, whatever it may be. We're gonna walk in the truth of who we are because of who Jesus is in us. We thank you, God, that you see us not for our sin and not for our struggle. You see us as you see your own son, Jesus. And we're gonna choose to walk in the truth of that. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help every person that's raising their hand to take those thoughts captive in Jesus' name. God, they may need to get other help. They may need to get counseling. They may need to get discipleship, whatever it may be. But right now, they're no longer gonna be controlled in their actions and in their, resp in their responses by thoughts that are contrary to your word and to your truth. And I thank you, God, that they're gonna walk in freedom in Jesus' name. Heal us, God. Align our thoughts with yours. I thank you for that. God, I pray that we would just be the people that you've called us to be. And the only way we can do that is if we think like you think. If we think about other people the way you think about them. If we think about ourselves the way you think about us. Help our minds, help our thoughts to be aligned with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give God some praise in this place for the people that made a decision.